I'm a little bit excited about it. I'm trying to be calm and professional here. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. In fact, that's where we're going to be. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I know it's hard to smile in midweek services. I tell you, it's, it's the world's beating you down, beating you to death. And it's my prayer for I come in here on to try to be a blessing and a help to you. I mean that. And um, you're working all week and you're beat up, beat down. And uh, I want to do all I can to try to encourage you tonight from the scriptures. Now, hold on, don't get nervous. Because every time I try to encourage people, it always goes bad. I had every intention to encourage everybody in here Sunday, and we ended up preaching against pornography. So, you just pray tonight, but let the Lord have His way. Still needs preached against, so still true, but it'll encourage you if you'll put it down. It is encouraging, isn't it? So, uh, you'll stay away from it. You'll be encouraged. But anyhow, I want to try to take these verses, if you would, Second Corinthians chapter number 4, and we'll look down through here, and we'll get back to Romans, we will, but the Lord has just put this on my heart for tonight, and Lord willing, maybe Sunday we'll get back to Romans and continue in our study through the book of Romans. Second Corinthians chapter number 4, therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So... We'll start in verse number four, I mean verse number one, because we obviously have to, I really don't want to take issue or be accused of anything, but I really don't like the chapter break here um, in, in, in chapter four, uh, I, mean, I mean in chapter three, uh, because so much is being said in chapter number three, and we don't have the time tonight, but we do need to get an idea of the context of what he's going to go on to say when he talks uh, to us and exhorts us in chapter number uh, Number four, we need to look again in chapter number three and just get a quick overview, if we could quickly, to see kind of what he's dealing with here. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, chapter three and verse one, or need we as some other epistle of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are epistle written our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And so he's going to begin to deal with those two things here uh, and going to talk about the ministration of death and talking of the law. Hebrews talks about it. We've not come into the mountain that cannot be touched, which feared and quake and trembling, and but we've come unto the... Uh, an innumerable company of angels to the spirits of just men made perfect and there in Hebrews he's going to deal with this uh, matter of the law and the glory of the law and then how much that which is greater which remaineth which is the glory of the ministration that we have of life and uh, so he deals with that in the spirit of the living God which is where we are not in tables of stone which would have been on the mountain where Moses received a 10 point outline from God, right? And uh, God gave him the 10 commandments. He gave him the law, as it were. And so, uh, but with fleshly tables of the heart, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians verse 4. Such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. 
Boy, there's mouthfuls of statements being said here that I hate to go through so quickly. But I want to get to chapter 4. Our sufficiency is of God. No wonder a person rejoices when they find him who, was, who has found them. Okay, let's go. All right, verse number six, who although, uh, also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. So can I say something here? Because I believe this applies to all of us. When you're, when you're thinking about the, the, the commandment for you and me, and it is a commandment, that we are to give this gospel to a lost and a dying world. How can they believe on him and who they've not? Romans. And that is a commandment, not a, not a suggestion, right? So we're in sin if we're not giving out the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? That's from the pulpit to the pew. I don't get to shun my duty of it just standing in a pulpit. It's easy to preach the gospel in the pulpit. Right out there is where the real work is done. Most people in here amen me. They're not going to amen you out there. And if you're not amen and out loud, you're at least doing it in your heart. You're with me, right? You're with the preaching of the gospel. But out there, they're not. And he's going to deal with that in chapter 4, if I'll hurry. Okay, so uh, let me say this, what I, what I stopped here to say. You say, well, I'm not able to do that. That's in direct contrast to what the Bible just said. You're an able minister. Now, you can say, well, he's just talking to the apostles here. He's just talking about preachers here. I don't believe that's so. I believe every saved person is able to proclaim the gospel to anybody. Anybody is able to do that. So when you say, well, I, I, my, my, my personality, I'm backwards, I'm this, I'm that. Those are all excuses that are never going to stand. You are an able minister. You are certainly able to give out the gospel. You don't have to have a great doctor, a, a doctorate in theology, right? To tell people that there's a Savior who died for the sins of the world. That if you'll look to him, you can live. You don't have to have a theological degree to do that. So we're able ministers and God has made us so. He's going to talk about this in chapter number four for God has shined in our hearts. If the God of heaven who can command light to shine out of nowhere, light to come out of darkness, if, if the God that can do that has himself shined in your heart, certainly you're an able minister. Surely you're able. Right? But see, again, our sufficiency, which would be able, our, my sufficiency would not be of myself, but of God. Right? Amen. And so when I can't, you're right, you can't. But he that's in you can. Amen. Right? Yes. And we're going to look to something else in the first verse. We'll move on. Okay. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. If the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, and it was, and it was so much so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. And it was. For a time period, his face was veiled, was it not? But only for a time. Because that's picturing the uh, law, the, uh, uh, the, the end of the law is Christ, right? 
And that glory that was veiled, uh, that was being veiled, that shone from Moses' face was to be done away uh, when Christ was to come and fulfill the law. And now we have righteousness, which is by the faith of him. Right? So his glory, his glory and his uh, shining of his face uh, was to be done away and it faded over time. Right? But there's a glory going on now that'll never die. The glory of the gospel, the propitiations of sins by the man Christ Jesus and faith in him, the glory of that gospel will never diminish. Never diminish. That glory will never go away. In fact, they're still in heaven and we will be for eternity singing a new song of redemption and they're still around the throne saying, worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah for Jesus. So, if there was a glory in that, surely. Verse number eight, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Which is the New Testament, right? Which is the dispensation of the grace of God. And where we are now in this day and age. Verse nine, for the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more did the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So what was, what was the previous, uh, the ministration of condemnation? So when people, again, I know you hear this a lot here, but it's good to, you see it in multiple places. We've seen it in Romans. We've seen it in other places. The law could never save a man. Never. It's even referred to as a ministration of condemnation. Its purpose was to condemn you, right? To show you your condemnation. Right? Not make you righteous. So if that ministration of condemnation was glorious, because it was, right? Nothing wrong with the law. It's good and just and holy, right? The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. All those wonderful things we know about the truth. The problem's in the flesh, right? But under that administration, under that dispensation, that ministration is condemnation. But there was glory in it. And I don't want to get into that. I think it's got to do a lot uh, with the glory of God. And when you see uh, the righteousness of God, which the law is a picture of, the law and the prophets, right? But that's not what we're dealing with. So what does the next part of that verse say? Much more than the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. This gospel you and I preach is glorious. Brother Morgan did an excellent job. He stood up and preached and he preached on Judas betraying Jesus and that little old boy come down after uh, 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 that message and he come down laying in that old sawdust floor and, 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 and under that tent and laid there and cried out to God. You know what I saw when I saw that? I saw glory. How glorious it was by faith that a sinful, wicked man born of Adam, born in condemnation, born in dead in trespasses and sins can look to Jesus and have righteousness imputed to him by simple faith in the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. If you don't see glory in that, something's wrong with you, friend. There's glory in the gospel. Say, well, I think it's glorious too. 
Well, just as long as you think it's glorious, you don't have to act like me. The gospel of Jesus is glorious. He's glorious. Hallelujah. What he did was glorious. What he's going to do is glorious. We have nothing to hang our head in shame over. We ought to be just as, just as thankful to God and proud to a lost and dying world of this gospel that we carry for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that will believe it. I have no doubts in the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that's effectual to bring about converting a man from death to life. The only hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what good are we to hide away in our houses, hiding away our gospel, trying to pretend like we're achieving some kind of holiness and attain to some sense of separation and sanctification without at the same time sharing with the lost world the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. We're fooling ourselves. (laughs) Separation's from, but it's unto. And when you get separated from and you get separated unto him, you know what he's going to tell you to do? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. (laughs) Hallelujah. God, stir our heart up again for missions, for reaching the world with the gospel, for reaching sinners, for reaching our neighbors with the gospel. Do we not believe it? Do we not believe in its power and in its efficacy? Do you not believe that the gospel is able? I don't care that you get me the drunkest, most, most sold out uh, to, the, to the world man in all of Harriman. And you bring him down here and you preach the gospel of Jesus to that man. If he'll believe it, God will make him a new creature. Amen. <laughs> Do you believe that? I believe it. I believe it. I'm stirred up about it. I, I'm, I, I'm stirred up about it. I, 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 poor old Hunter's, Brother Reed, poor old Hunter's been sick. And, uh, and uh, I know every one of you know what I'm talking about as a parent. There is nothing worse than your kid being sick and you don't know what's wrong with them and you can't help them. Amen. The only thing worse is when they're struggling spiritually and you can't help them. Because you got to leave them to God. And you know they're safer with Him, but you still want to try to do something. And there's nothing you can really do. They got to get hold of God. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to try something. And uh, I started, I got to, now don't laugh at me, okay? You already did it. I asked you not to. (laughs) Cyrus, don't make fun of this, okay? But uh, I got these probiotics, and I take them. It helps my stomach, you know. And uh, so I give him these two probiotics. I thought, you know, you know how much confidence Brother Oliver I had, and that's going to help his stomach. If I had to put a percentage on it, we'd be here too long in the point zero 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 to get to the one. I had zero confidence that it was really going to help him. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? But you want to do something? You, you, you see your kid hurting and, and the doctors, they can't find anything. So you just find something. You think, well, if you'll do this, if you'll do that. Hannah's sick all the time. And she just stands there and cries. Her stomach hurting her all the time. Every single day, her stomach. She just sits there and cries. And her little tears streaming down her face. And you just want to do something to try to help them. But I don't have any confidence in anything that I can give them. But I want to do something hoping that at least it'll get mentally, maybe in their mind, like a placebo effect. Maybe they'll think it's helping. That's about the only, sorry, that's the only reason I give you that stuff, Hunter. And you keep taking it, okay? But aren't you glad when you see a man sick in sin and you look at your children sick in sin going wayward, aren't you glad that you're not without hope? Aren't you glad that you know that if they'll just believe the gospel of Jesus that their sin sick soul will be forever healed? I have no doubt in my mind that any man that'll believe Christ's gospel will be changed forever and live in eternity. I believe it with all my soul. You know why I believe that? Because I put my faith in the man Jesus and I'm going to live forever. Hallelujah. (laughs) I believe with all my soul. And man, if we really, if if we lay hold of that and we see sinners dead in sin, hopeless without God in the world, and the one answer you and I have have been entrusted in this ministry of reconciliation is how that Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures and was buried and was raised by his own power and he ever liveth to make an intercession for them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, so, hey, I'm enjoying preaching. Well, I'm not enjoying listening to you. Well, there's 47 other Baptist churches you can attend and find you somebody you like to listen to. Woo! You ever think maybe I get tired of looking at you? Didn't cost you nothing extra. For if the ministration, even that which was made glorious, look at verse number 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Cam, you're going to preach the gospel? Uh, Brother Cooley, I'm bad about having to put God in my equation. I got to figure it all out. So much so I started thinking, okay, God gives us a new heart. He takes out the heart of, out of your flesh. He gives you a new spirit, but then also in the next verse he says he's put his new spirit in you. So I've got this creature that's cut in half by the Holy Ghost. That's he's got a new soul, a new spirit, a new heart. But, he's, but his old heart's been taken out of his flesh. So his flesh has still got the flesh of the spirit of man. I mean, my mind went crazy. I thought God just let me go crazy. Just use great plainness of speech. Here's the plainness of speech. Christ died for you. And if you'll believe on him, you'll get, live forever. Hallelujah. Repent and believe the gospel. (laughs) Turn from your idols to serve the living God. Hallelujah. (laughs) You young people, don't you ever get to thinking there ain't nothing to this. There's enough power in that gospel to save the whole world if they'll believe it. I'm not talking about the seven billion alive today. I'm talking about every one of them that's ever lived. Christ's blood is sufficient enough to cleanse the stains of the sins of the whole world. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Oh, we got to go. Now, so he's talking about the ministration of condemnation, ministration of death, and the ministration of glory which remaineth, the Spirit which giveth life, and uh, being able ministers of the New Testament. And what we need to use, seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Now, we're going to get down to where he's going. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, I should wear a veil. As ugly as some of us are, we ought to wear one. But it's all we got. It's the best we got to work with, okay? But in that law, now I don't want to get into what was being veiled. The New Testament talks something about we are shut up under faith. Now, let's not get into that because I think there's a lot of speculation there. So let's just be plain about what we're talking about here. In the Old Testament, Moses got the law from God. The law came by Moses. Amen? Amen. Amen. And his face was veiled so that they could not see the end of what is abolished. Now, well, let me, let me not speculate. Let, let's, let's move on to where we are now then, okay? So in the New Testament though, as we are today, God has sundry times and divers met us making our fathers in times past by the prophets have in these last days spoken unto us by his dear son. God's not hiding anything from anybody. Christ accomplished the will of God. Then the volume of this book is written to me, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. God, Jesus came, but did the will of God for you. And now you and I, no veil, looking through a glass, we see clearly, we see Jesus. That's why them old timers on the pulpit used to put, Sirs, we would see Jesus. (laughs) Telling that preacher, preach Jesus, preacher. There's nothing veiling you and keeping you from seeing Christ. You say, wait a minute, he's going to talk about the God of this world's blinded the mind of them. He's blinded it to them. He he is certainly blind to them, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in unto them. You know what that's telling me? He might have blinded their mind, but he's not put a veil over their mind where they can't see the gospel shine to them. There's a light that can shine into the heart and soul and mind of men, and that is the gospel. (laughs) Now, the hope you've got, if you're lost here tonight and your darkened, depraved mind is the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. (laughs) You say, wait a minute, preacher, hallelujah for that. But, well, let's go quick now because we've got to get to chapter 4 now. Trying to do this quick here. 15, but into this day Moses revealed upon their heart. Now, let's not deal with Israel, okay? Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But, see that but? Now, that's why I don't like the chapter break. But here's where we're going. But we all... With open face. (laughs) I don't know about you. I'm not talking about face to face. 
I'm talking about something about just as plain, if not plainer. So we all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Is that what it says? So what's he saying now? You and me with open face, there's nothing obstructing me from seeing him in the year King Uzziah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up as his train filled the heavens. That's you and me tonight. No veil. There is nothing that's keeping me from seeing the glory of Christ. In fact, you know what happens? So what's he saying there? It's not talking about darkly in the scriptures. There's nothing being concealed here. Even Revelation, that's God's revealed book. You and I just have a hard time understanding it. Probably a lot of, Lord, where are we at now? First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Okay, so we all with open face are beholding, the, read that, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now, now, here, I'm not going to say this, isn't it? We're never going to get chapter 4. Some people preach the Word of God like a mirror, right? And so you're looking in that mirror, seeing your reflection, and it's reflecting in you what's dissimilar in character to Christ, right? And so from glory to glory, God's perfecting that which He begun to work in you, and He's going to perform it to the day of Jesus. He perfect that which concerneth you, and He's going to conform you to the image of Christ. Amen. Or kill you want. And then you will be just in his likeness. When I awaken thy likeness. Hey, you can't even stop God from making you just like Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to get you to run one of these days. I saw you run. Now look here. Some people preach that. Now, what if we think about it like this? Beholding us in a glass... This is like a picture framed, clearly able to see. And you know what you can see in that picture frame? A picture of Jesus. Every page you turn to whom all the prophets give witness. This whole book is about, Miss Snow sang that song, Hallelujah. I found whom I saw so long to cry. Every page, every page you can turn and see Christ. This is a, nothing veils on your mind, Cyrus. Nothing's veiled on your face. And there's nothing obstructing your view of seeing Christ in this book. Brother, brother, Ben, you turn to them Psalms. I've heard men preach Christ out of them Psalms. It's absolutely blown my mind. And talking about the strength of that whore. And they bring Christ out. You can bring Christ out of every page. And there's nothing, there's nothing veiling us tonight. We, get, we open this book. We see just like it's in a glass. It's just as clear as it can be. We can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we can see it right here in this book. Amen. And we're changed into that same image from glory to glory. Not a glory that diminishes. I'm talking about a glory that excelleth and remaineth and keeps on going. Amen. I'm not half of what I'm going to be. Amen. Not in weight. Lord, that'd be bad. Robin, don't don't start, Robin. Robin likes to poke at me, don't she? From glory to glory. Oh, I can't believe we didn't get we gotta get let's just Aren't you glad? Rosie, aren't you glad when you open this book? 
When I open this Bible, there's nothing, there's nothing veiled to me in being able to see Christ. There's nothing that comforts me. Boy, I go back to thinking about Brother Wells preached Wednesday night of drawing water out of the wells of salvation. And I don't know about you, but this, this matter of following after Jesus and discipleship is not easy on the flesh, is it? Not easy to deny yourself and take up a cross every day, is it? I might do it once, but what about doing it every day? And following him every day and losing my life for his sake that I might save it. I'm not talking about just in salvation for what does it show? A man given exchange for his life. And that verse is talking in context. I'm talking about in discipleship will cost you everything to follow him. Except a man hate his own father and mother and brother and sister. He is not worthy of me. And we're trying to lay aside the ways of sins and so easy beset us and forsaken everything and following Jesus. I'm telling you, it's difficult, but I'm glad I can open this book any time, any day, and there's nothing. I don't, have to, I don't have to go through seances. I don't have to go through washings of uh, lavers of cleansing and offering up turtle doves. And I don't have to go do anything. All I got to do is bow my unworthy head and say, God, open this book to my understanding. Help me to see Jesus as I read it. And I'm telling you, Christian, you're starving your soul tonight of being able to see Jesus by not getting in your Bible. Stay in the book. Preacher, I'm depressed. I'm down. I'm I'm struggling. Get in the book. See Jesus. (laughs) And we see and we're changed into that same image even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I know, I, I know, y'all might think I'm about half crazy, but I'm going to try to offer the fruit of my lips and praise Him and worship Him every opportunity I get. I'll be honest with you, there's not every day of the week I feel like doing that. And I'm glad when God, in spite of myself, gives me a couple of times where I have some good feelings and I feel like doing it. Don't you? I ought to do it when I don't feel like doing it. But I certainly don't want to be void of doing it when I feel like doing it. And I feel like praising the Lord tonight for what He's done for me. <laughs> You may not, but rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I can open my book and see what I've seen today in chapter 4. So, we'll, okay, so I may have not told you the truth. Maybe, maybe Sunday we'll come back to chapter 4. Maybe not Romans. Well, so here's what, we've got a chapter break there. He's talking about how they were veiled, how they couldn't see. Go all through Christ's ministry. He sits right there and tells them, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of wicked men. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be slain. Where I go, you cannot come. And they had no clue what he's talking about. And you and I open this book, and we can see Abram coming after a great victory. And he meets Melchizedek in the way, and he offers him bread and wine. And you know what we see? What do you see when you see Melchizedek who was without beginning, without ending, without mother and without father? Who do you see when you read about him? Huh? Do you see Jesus? Do you? Do you see Jesus when you read? I know we've got to go home. But did you know that that's not always been the case? There's been 
minds that have been veiled to be able to see clearly. And you and I can clearly see Christ. Can I ask you tonight, are you saved? Do you see Jesus? Is that your life? Salvation, Christ is not something you add to your life as some kind of an accessory. Christ is our life. And so we, he comes to tell us we're, we can use plainness of speech now. It's all culminated. It's all, if that's the right word, it's all come to a head. This, this, uh, uh, this the same was rejected, the, the head of the corner. Oh, this, this building, this cornerstone that was rejected. It, it's, all, it's all come to this one point who's Christ, right? Amen. Use great plainness, plainness of speech. Preach Christ. Christian, you know why you're so miserable sometimes? You're getting too far away from Jesus. You're so caught up with everything else in this world. Listen, we, we talk about all this stuff. We can talk about all that we want to. We are so caught up with worldly entertainment and fleshliness and lust and the pride of life and money and fortune and fame. And we're so caught up. Some of you people have spent more time thinking about who you're going to marry than thinking about the blood of Jesus, than thinking about even getting close and drawing nigh to God. You wonder why he don't draw nigh to you? Because you're trying to draw nigh to the opposite sex all the time. You're not not even concerned about drawing nigh to God. Amen. No wonder what Christian wouldn't be miserable when you get him away from Jesus. <laughs> so he tells that and he says, now we all with open face and we behold it, not, not in anything veil, but as in a glass. Now it may be even talking about a, 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 a more like a microscope. But I think it's talking about a portrait of Christ in this book. Now, that's what I think. Then we get to chapter 4 and verse 1. Now, we'll pick up here Sunday, okay? And we'll, we'll, that sets the setting of what he's wanting them to see. We don't have to make things difficult for people. Listen, I know I'm not telling this. I'm saying this myself. We make, we make salvation so difficult. Who was it? it? may have been Spurgeon that said... You ought to put salvation down on the bottom shelf where even the kids can reach it. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy to repent and deny yourself. That doesn't mean it's easy to turn on yourself. That doesn't mean it's easy to forsake. That doesn't mean it's easy. I'm not talking about all that. But I'm saying salvation is perfectly clear in that it's in a man whose name is Jesus. And that's be, that ought to be our proclamation to a lost world is preaching Jesus. We can get them in a dress, they'll go to hell. Am I telling it right? Come on now, I'm for dresses. You can get them faithful to church, they'll go to hell. You can get them to tithe and they'll go to hell. But you get a man, you, you get a burden and get a man to Jesus and, and he sees Christ. And just by simple Bible faith, trust and believes on the Lord Jesus. Guess what? You won't have to force him to tithe. You believe a Christian robbed God? Sure. I bet you there's people in here robbing God. Don't get nervous. But apart from Jesus, there's no hope for mankind. So you know what he says in chapter 1? And I'll just give you the first point, but we won't preach it. It's our purpose. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, 
as we have received mercy, we faint not. So we'll pick up there and we'll turn back to seeing these great truths that he wants us to see. You say, what do you mean? We, does that mean it's not possible to faint? No, that's not what he said. He's, he's talking about, well, it's late. If I keep going, we're just going to keep it. It's not a good place to stop in chapter 4. So can I encourage you something? If you'll just, just keep looking unto Jesus. Keep telling the world about Jesus. Yeah, but Brother Clint, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I know you are. And I pray that God gives you the strength to overcome it. I pray that you do. But please don't stop telling people about Jesus. The only hope they got is to see Jesus. And, and don't, don't hide the, ex, the commandment you have to reach this world, trying to hide, to hide behind what you think holiness is. I see a lot of fundamentalists hiding behind holiness while a world burns around them. They're not separated, they're isolated, and they're cowardly, and they're disobedient to God. Right? So, so we've received this ministry, as we've received mercy... We faint not. We'll look into that Sunday. Well, all right, we're going to be done tonight. We're not going to have an altar call. We're going to stand our feet. We're going to be dismissed tonight. And hopefully we'll get into chapter 4 and see our see what uh, where the Lord wants to lead us to. I hope you don't take it this way. Sometimes in my preaching comes across this way. I'm not preaching at you. I don't mean to ever do that. I'm preaching, can I say it this way, with you? If there's anything I have failed of recent times yet that I'd have to say, one of my greatest failures of late has been not reaching sinners with the gospel. I'm not near as burdened as I ought to be. And I was telling the men in the prayer room, I've been praying God burdened my heart. I, I'm, not, I'm, gonna tell, I'm gonna say this again and maybe help you. I think we're hiding behind prayers. You know, God said at one time, he said, now's not the time to pray. Get up and get to work. Remember that? And so we're praying for a burden. Why should I have to pray for a burden, for God to do anything else for me? Shouldn't I already be burdened about people going to hell? I think, I, I think it might be good that we don't pray for a burden. It's probably just good that we repent of wasting God's time and being disobedient. But I'm still going to pray God helps me because I can't do it without him. So, Lord, we love you tonight. And I mean, I'm sorry that I have not spent more time and more of my attention. I've spent more time trying to put you into an equation and to put salvation and the operation of God into a systematic theology of some sort that I've forgotten and gotten far from my purpose of reaching a lost world with the gospel of Christ. So, Lord, help our church. Lord, you give some of your choicest people in here that have a burden and a heart for missions and giving. But, Lord, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about that personal reaching out and personal witnessing, evangelism, and reaching this community with the gospel of Jesus. Help all of us to be obedient to that command. And as we go out this week, help us, Lord, not to set ourselves up for failure. I may not be able to 
Lord, if I could, if, if I could just reach one person, give out one track, tell one person what you've done for me, I believe it'd be a success. So please help us to do that, be obedient to that. I don't want the blood of my generation to drip from my hands as I stand before you. So help us to be faithful, to give out the gospel, put away childish things, the fightings, the frustrations, the all the different battles that we have one with another and the unforgiving spirits, the malice, the guile, the envy, all the various things we put so much time and attention to that will never amount to a thing in eternity and help us to redeem the time in these evil days and give the gospel out like you told us to. We love you. Thank you for every person that's here tonight. I pray for those on vacation and others that weren't here that you'd keep them safe as they travel home. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're great at liberty to go. God bless you for being here tonight.